0: Good morning, Good Shepherd. I am Talbot Davis. I'm the pastor here, and a lot of you are connecting with us in the room that's in our campus in Charlotte, North Carolina, and others of you are live streaming. And however you're engaging, I'm glad to engage back with you. And this is the fifth week of the series called Room for Improvement, a series in which we've looked at different areas of our lives that actually could stand for an upgrade. And we've talked about improving your prayer and in improving your attitude, which you all know that was only for other people. None of you needed to improve your attitude. And we talked about improving your finances and your surroundings. Today, today it's called improving your serve. And I know a lot of you who know that I grew up playing tennis, you're wanting me to give you a lesson on how to improve your serve, but I'm not gonna do that. Uh, instead, I thought that this message would come from the Bible, like the messages here do. And if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate in the New Testament the letter of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 starting in verse 7 and following 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Maybe your Bible looks like this or maybe it's on your phone. That doesn't that doesn't matter. Did we just invite you to locate it. We'll be referring to it in a little bit. And some of you know what we believe about the Bible. Others of you you haven't been here before. You don't know what this church believes about the Bible and you, you, one of those things that we believe, we know that this is not a book and it is a library. And the, 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 what we call the book of Second Corinthians is actually a letter. It was written by Paul, pastor, missionary, author to a church in the Greek city of Corinth. And the people who live there are Corinthians. And the reason there's a Second Corinthians is because First Corinthians didn't work. And so Paul had to write him a second letter really to kind of take him by the shoulders and, and and shake them into obedience and and it's really one of his most raw and, and honest letters of them all and that's just kind of a fact and and and, and we believe that understanding some of those backgrounds and the characters makes scriptures really come alive it makes it so much more interesting and that's vital because in leadership of this church you, you may not again you not, may not believe this yet but In leadership here, we believe that there's no other library like this one. God put his truth into its words. He put his love onto its pages. We believe the Bible is inspired and eternal and true. And out of that conviction as a community, we do something unusual with the Bible. When we talk about it, we lift it up in the air. And some of you have been lifting yours up for like the last three minutes and you're so ready. And others of you have never been in a church where they lifted the Bibles up. This is kind of odd. And you know what we say? It is, we admit it, it is is strange and different, but we've discovered that this makes us who we are. It's a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community, that we are a collection of people who do not have life figured out, but we know who does. And so we're glad to surrender to his authority, amen. And before I say any more words about all of that, let's pray. So God, thank you, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write the letter to the church at Corinth and that even if it wasn't written to us, it was protected and preserved for us. And I pray that same Holy Spirit now, as I talk about improving your serve, would fill me from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head with everything that's good and right and joyful about who you are. Because I am powerless without you. Because of you, I'm never helpless. In your name. Amen. Well, I, uh, I don't mean to, to brag or anything right here at the beginning. I mean, I would never do that. But I don't mean to brag. But I do think that I'm going to be able to help you solve almost all of your problems today. Yeah. Well, that, okay. Now. Far be it from me to overpromise and underdeliver, But I do actually think that by the time we're done and I tell you the thing that I'm gonna tell you, I will be able to help you solve most, if not all the problems that you brought into this church here with you this morning or that you brought into your live stream this morning. Because problems, we got them. You got them. I got them. The person next to you has them. The person on the other side of you has them. The per- person behind you, has. Woo, does that person have problems? The person behind you has, we all have problems. And do you know what I have realized in November of 2022? A full 30 months, I don't know if you've thought about this, 30 months after the start of the COVID pandemic, 30 months after, you remember this, two weeks to flatten the curve. But you know what I've realized 30 months later is that COVID came along and it didn't so much create new problems, though it did some of that but it didn't do nearly as much of that as much as it magnified and intensified problems that already existed. Because COVID brought into our lives and I am convinced 30 months on that that COVID came into our lives and yeah, it caused a lot of damage. And some of you know that all too well and all too painfully. But 30 months in, I have come to the place where I realized, yeah, yeah, the damage that COVID caused was heavy, the COVID collateral, the, the damage technically unrelated to people getting sick, that has been heavier still. Because what COVID did is it latched on to pre-existing conditions. And y'all think I'm not getting ready to get all medical on you. Not those kind of pre-existing conditions. COVID latched on to pre-existing conditions in the human race, and in, in our psyche, namely fear and lethargy. And COVID latched on to fear and it latched on to lethargy and it would not let go. Because some of you, some of you, you're, you're naturally anxious, a, a little bit skeptical by nature, kind of leery of new people in, in new situations, maybe you're even a little bit of a germaphobe. And you remember those, the, the social, the thing you could put on social media to go around your own little portrait on social media that said, stay home, save lives. You, you remember that? Well, you love that because that was what you wanted to do anyway. Now, maybe that stay home, save lives wasn't quite as virtuous as you thought it was at the time because the only reason, I don't know if you thought about this, the only reason you could stay home is because other people couldn't farmers and food processors and delivery men and delivery women. But that factor of sort of your natural wiring of how it is that you don't much want to interact with people you don't know and might not like that whole lockdown mentality because of some anxiety that you have. It was just fine with you. Thank you very much. And then for others of you, maybe it wasn't that fear and that anxiety. Maybe COVID latched on to what I would call lethargy. Maybe, maybe had a little bit of laziness ahead of time and COVID came along. And because everybody was supposed to stay home, it allowed a whole lot of laziness afterwards. I, I felt a little bit of this in, in my own life because, and there'd be no reason for you to know, know this, but, but in, in the many, many years that I was a pastor before COVID and a couple years after COVID, but all those years before, I always felt like I need to be working at night out in the community, visiting people's homes, having dinner, teaching classes, engaging with people. I need to do that at least two nights a week or I'm just not a preacher worth my salt. Well, COVID comes along, and by and large, I was pretty faithful to that. COVID comes along, and out of necessity, two nights a week is now zero nights a week, done with work at five, turning on television for the rest of the night, and thought, oh, well, this is a lot better than working for a living, And, 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 and you may have felt that, and a little bit of laziness that you had beforehand turns into a lot of bit of laziness afterwards, and so these pre-existing conditions that COVID was tailor-made for, fear and lethargy, let's just call them fethargy, okay? You, you you put them together, but but they have this they have this consequence. When I talk about COVID collateral, this is the consequence. Because when, when, whether it was fear or whether it was lethargy, when people end up staying home and staying isolated and staying just within their own little tribe for so long, I don't know if you know what happens, but it ends up being like a fingernail that you don't cut. Hopefully you don't know this from personal experience, but if you don't ever cut your fingernail, they don't just grow out, They hook around. They start to turn in on themselves. And when people... Either because of fear or either because of lethargy, when COVID's impact on people was to narrow their focus, to restrict their lives, to keep everybody home all the time in a constant state of agitation and a constant state of lethargy, we end up turning in on ourselves just like a fingernail does. And that's why nationally, statistically, we know that COVID gave rise to all kinds of destructive behavior, dramatic rise and all kinds of antisocial behavior, domestic violence, opioids, unhealthy web activity, depression, anxiety, And when I'm talking about national trends for those kind of problems that might have existed before COVID and were dramatically magnified by COVID, you're thinking to yourself right now, he's not talking about what goes on nationwide. He's talking about what's going on in my house because I'm the victim of that domestic violence. Because I've started taking drugs that I didn't take before. Because I've started all kinds of unhealthy web activity. Because my depression and my anxiety increased dramatically through it all. Problems. We got problems all around us. And our natural instinct with these problems that we face is that we want to become problem solving kind of evil. You got a problem. We got to devote all kinds of time and all kinds of energy to solving that problem. And up against that natural instinct, up against that desire that we have to to fix our problem by devoting all kinds of energy to problem solving, up against that, we bump into 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, as I mentioned earlier, 2 Corinthians is the Hello, not the first letter, the second letter we have that Paul wrote to this church in the city of ancient Greek city of Corinth. Not written to us, preserved for us. And in that letter, Paul is at his most confessional, his rawest, in some ways, even his most offensive on occasions. But early on in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, Paul gives the most humble brag ever. He says to the Corinthians, hey, y'all, I'm the only person in the history of the world, like nobody before, probably nobody ever. I got a sneak preview of heaven and I live to tell about it. And, and, and then after letting them know, oh, by the way, you know, God, God thinks I'm special enough. He let me see what heaven looks like. He brings it back down to earth in chapter 12 and verse seven. Look, look what it says in the last part of verse seven. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, because I just gave this humble brag about going to heaven. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Verse eight, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, I was given a thorn in the flesh. What exactly was this thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan that was given to Paul? And, and you, just, you, you just should know that books have been written and careers have been launched and reputations have been ruined. All trying to figure out what exactly was Paul dealing with in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. What was his thorn in the flesh? And some people have said, well, it was an illness like malaria that was persistent and recurring. And, and, and other people said it was something going on with his eyes that impacted his vision. And, and other people honestly have said Paul had a case of the uglies cuz he he tells another church i'm so i'm so sorry that i was so difficult to look at and then others have have even suggested that he had a compulsive behavior that he could not control and, and like i said careers have been launched and books have been written what what was this thorn in the flesh well we don't know for sure and by the way, if someone comes along and, and they tell you, well, I know for sure what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. It's kind of like saying, I know for sure exactly when Jesus is coming back for both of those people, you run the other way. When they, can I hear an amen for that? So, so we don't know what it was. All we know that it was a great plague for Paul. And he, he beseeches, he prays to the Lord three times, take this, make me less ugly. Make me not have compulsion, Take malaria away from me. Whatever it was, do this for me. And the answer is in verse nine. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Well, thanks a lot, Lord. Couldn't you have used someone else to make an object lesson out of? And then Paul keeps talking. Look where he goes in the rest of verse nine and all of verse 10. Therefore... I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulty. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. An absolute mic drop answer. I mean, upside down and inside out and totally reflective of Jesus and how Jesus was. Because when Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Just think of Jesus on the cross. When I am weak, When I'm dying, then I am redeeming. What looks like defeat is actually eternal victory. So this is so good. It is so brilliant what Paul says that when he gets to the end of verse 10 and he's dropped his mic, when I'm weak, then I'm strong, we stop reading. We're like, it can't get any better than that. He does not get his prayers answered. He doesn't get his thorn in the flesh taken away, but we get some real gold about when he's weak, then he's strong and we stop reading. But Paul doesn't stop writing. And, and instead of stopping when we want him to stop because it was just so good, Paul keeps writing his letter to the Corinthians. And just a little bit over, a few words later, in chapter, what we have is chapter 13 and verse four. Look at what Paul says, chapter 13, verse four. Likewise, we are weak in Him, and yet by God's power we will live with Him. Why? To serve you. Oh my gosh. I've I've been dwelling on my problems, Paul says. I've been dwelling on my thorn in the flesh, Paul says. I've been dwelling on my compulsion, my fethargy, my uglies, whatever it is. And yet now I realize that God allows me to live in him so that I can, in fact, serve you all in the Corinthian church. Paul is getting to this glorious place where he realizes that the best way to fix his own problems is to help someone else fix theirs. And we get to that realization that Paul doesn't stop when we want him to stop. And he instead completes his thought by by understanding the key to his own healing because he's got something inside he needs healing. The key to his healing is serving and helping the Corinthian church. And y'all remember how I told you at the very beginning, I'm gonna, not bragging, I'm gonna help you solve your problems. Well, here it is. Here's what we get from Paul in the inspired scripture. It's this. if you wanna heal what's inside you, you have to serve who is beyond you. If you want to heal your fethargy, your anxiety, your compulsions, your toxic relationship, If you wanna hear what's going on inside, you have to serve who is beyond. We devote so much time to problem solving and God calls out to us, the best way to be about problem solving is to get in the business of people serving. And I love it when it breaks through. I love to see it in action. Wasn't too long ago that I was having a conversation with a, a woman in this church about joining our board the board of directors a Good Shepherd Church. No big deal. They're just the final decision-making body of the whole church. And when we were talking about joining the board, she said the most interesting thing. She said, and we weren't even talking about this. She just brought it up. And and, and she said, if Good Shepherd gives people so many opportunities to serve, that if you're not serving, it's not the church's fault, it's your fault. And I was like, dang, could I'm gonna use that in a sermon one day. And here it is. And... And then I was like, could you bring some of that mojo to the board? And she has. And that's what we, what we want to do. And that's who we want to be. We want to give people of this church the opportunity to, to, to fix their own problems by helping other people fix theirs. Because the stakes are really high. You know, I, I talked about fingernails growing and turning in on themselves and And things that turn in on themselves, people who turn in on themselves, ultimately turn on themselves. And that's why all this list of problems that I've been talking about that COVID magnified and intensified, it very much includes self-destruction. And you may be one of those people. And it's a miracle you came to church this morning because self-destruction is never far from your own thoughts. And God has ordained it and God has designed it that you can't believe I just said that. And God wanted you to hear it because he wants you involved in the kind of life where, yeah, I'm not gonna turn in on myself because that means I'm gonna turn on myself. And how about if I spend less time problem solving and more time people serving? Again, it wasn't all that long ago and there's a young couple Starts coming to church, nervous about COVID. You know, you can tell some couples are real, some people nervous and some people are kind of chill. It's okay. But this couple was on the, on the nervous side of COVID and they started coming, they braved it and started coming to, to live church. And, and we were in a conversation with folks about, well, what, what made you connect? You, you, you took the step and you came to live church. Why did you keep coming? And without being prompted, the, the mom and the couple, the wife and the couple, she said, it was the welcome in the children's area. That when we checked our kids into the K zone, to the children's ministry, the atmosphere was so warm and so loving and so welcoming, we couldn't wait to get back. And on Monday, our kids asked us when it was going to be Sunday again. And you know what's best about that answer? That, that is, that's not a staff thing. I mean, like I'm not even over. I guess that's why the atmosphere is so warm. <laughs> I'm not even over there. But it's all volunteers. It's people like you who realize that with your attitude, with your demeanor, with, by being a kind of person who's invested in the, in the next generation, you can help other people fix their problems and along the way, hello, have a lot healthier attitude towards your own. Or even like another guy in a church who who put on social media, I love what he, what, what he put out. It said, today I have been sober for longer than I drank. I have been sober for longer than I drank. I love that. And I, I don't know if you... No that, it, that the twelfth step of Alcoholics Anonymous is all about taking sobriety and serenity and sharing it with other people who are alcoholics that sobriety and serenity is never something to hoard and keep to yourself it's always something to get away give away and and I love the fact that we have so many twelve steppers at this church we might, we might have some eleven steppers and nine steppers as well, but so glad we have twelve steppers at, the, at this church who understand that that Every gift we give is an opportunity to give it away. If you want to heal what's inside you, you have to serve who is beyond you. Some of you might be like, okay, you got me. I, I, I believe you, but how? how? How do I know where to serve? How do I know what is the best place for me to put my gifts to work ministering to others? Well, you know, I, I can't answer that specifically for you. I, I can tell you that, that at this church, we don't do everything. Like if you want, well, how can I serve a good shepherd? We're not gonna give you a book full of 100 pages of serving opportunities because we realize when we give too many options, we're really not giving any at all. We don't do everything. We try to do a few of things and we try to do them well. And we try to give plenty of opportunities within those few things where, where you can heal what's inside you by serving who is beyond you. Like one of those areas might just be people who are on the, the deepest margins of our society. And Devin Tharp mentioned it earlier that the room in the end ministry does start uh, at the end of this month and runs through the end of November. And, and, and so that might be God's call on your life That you would would assist, you would help people fix their problems who probably have more problems than than anybody else you know. And know this it is not glamorous. If you sign up to serve, it's not so that you can shoot a selfie of yourself and put it on social media. Look how good I am serving. It's It's not glamorous to come in early on a Saturday morning and clean up a church bathroom that has been used by people who are homeless. It's not glamorous but it is meaningful. Or maybe given our passion for the next generation, we have these lunch buddies at Lake Wiley Elementary School, a Charlotte Mecklenburg school within walking distance of us. And it's, and it's 30 minutes a week where you go and hello, you do what the, what the program says. You're a lunch buddy for a third grade student. And I, I found my, uh, was assigned my lunch buddy a couple of weeks ago and just started having lunch with him on, in the cafeteria there uh, on, on Thursdays. And, and uh, really an enjoyable little third grade boy and he loves soccer and he wears Adidas. And so we were talking about soccer and heroes and Adidas and about how old things and people are. And so I just kind of mentioned in our first meeting, well, how old do you think I am? And he said, 38? <laughs> and I was like, you are, you're not just my lunch buddy. You are my BFF buddy. And so, <laughs> yeah, you, you might have a, an, an engagement like that or, or maybe you, you do wanna pour into the next generation to, to children, but you'd love to do it with the kids we have here who are already going to this church. And you know that you can help introduce children into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Or you can be one of those people in the welcome area for the K-Zone. So when new families come, the kids ask on Monday, can we, is it already Sunday yet? And maybe, maybe that's your calling. Again, we, we don't provide a million opportunities. We provide a good number of opportunities of deeply meaningful ministry with that awareness. The best way, hello, the best way for you to fix your problems is to help somebody else fix theirs. Because the venue matters some principle matters supremely and you may also be wondering well how how okay 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 maybe i want to do room in the inn, or i'd love to be a lunch buddy or or i I, would love to work with children here how can what is my next step i got some good news for you because we want to make this as simple not simplistic but as simple for you as we can after the service after we're doing some more singing some more praying there's going to people be people at the welcome center at the lobby in the lobby, who, hello, they will be able to have that next conversation that you need to have to get involved in Room in the Inn or become a lunch buddy or get involved in in your next steps in ministry. So after, and it was very busy, it's a a holy busy. It was very busy after the earlier service. We'd love for that same thing to happen after this one because we know, we believe, we, our heart beats with the truth. That the only way to heal what is inside you is to serve who is beyond you. Let's pray. So God, I thank you for every problem that came in here. And I thank you for every moment of awareness, every light bulb that went on, that we can be better problem solvers when we are people servers. Do that in this community now. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.